us, we might not really want to do this, but because our brain likes dopamine so much, we, we get sucked into a behavior that it's that's not in our best interest. Welcome back to Duo On Air. I'm Abby. And I'm Courtney. And we're the ex-agency turned entrepreneurial team that puts the Duo in Duo Collective. Our boutique organic marketing agency specializes in SEO, social media strategy, and brand. We're an everyday pair of business besties slash marketing experts obsessed with helping our community learn more about what it takes to run a business. Which is why on Duo On Air, we're not holding anything back. We're giving you all the info we know about how to grow your business organically so you can be the confident CEO you were made to be. And how to navigate life as a small business owner. Whether it's on your own or with your best friend by your side. So grab your coffee or your mimosa, we don't judge, and settle in for a quick value-packed episode of Marketing Tips. Welcome back to the Duo On Air podcast. This is episode number 107, and we are diving into an alternate universe today. Well, kinda. One where social media doesn't exist and you still get to grow your business. Sounds kinda dreamy, right? Maybe you love social media or maybe you hate it. Regardless of how you feel about the social platforms, we all understand that we can't lay our entire business foundation on them. But today we are going one step deeper. We aren't just talking about how to survive without social media and that it is even possible because it absolutely is possible if you want to, but we are going to talk about the psychology of what these platforms can do to our mind. This episode isn't meant to be scary, but to share some of the facts on why we may have this love-hate relationship with Instagram or TikTok, and of course to talk through healthy boundaries that should all tie back to your brand values. And of course, to talk about all of this, we had to bring in an expert. Johanna is the founder of Buy Social Media. She started this business after working on her PhD and researching Instagram's effects on culture and society. Her unique work intersects entrepreneurship, research, experimentation, and human design. And she is all about building a business that fuels and sustains you, and so are we. So let's not delay this episode anymore. Let's meet Johanna. Hello, Johanna. Thank you so much for being on the Duo On Air podcast. Thanks for having me, Abby. I'm super excited to be here. Same. We are, we have kind of this love-hate relationship with social media, um, and I know a lot of our listeners do too, so we're so excited to jump into everything you have to share um, from the science behind it to the strategies and everything else. Uh, So how about we just start back at the beginning, and why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your business? Sure. So I've, I've always been a very creative and entrepreneurial person, and I've, I've always had this rebellious streak. So entrepreneurship, creative activities, that was always a natural match to me, uh, or for me, so to speak. But I took quite a bit of time to figure out how to actually be an entrepreneur in a way that worked for me. Maybe not even because entrepreneur, I feel like is such a loaded word these days. It's it, like, it feels like it has to be this thing and like you do this huge company or like you have to present yourself in a certain way. But um, so I, I initially worked in journalism. I did foreign reporting for, you know, just a little while. Um, I was in the arts for a bit. And then I, I really started working as a freelancer. Um, I had, I was a startup founder for a little while. Um, until I decided to leave all that behind and really figure out well, what I actually wanted to do and what lit me up. And in the process of that, I was doing a PhD at the same time on social media. And I was trying to figure out how to market myself with the things I was doing on my own as a 
coach, sort of then later as a marketing consultant on, on social media, and it just never really clicked, right? So this whole thing and why, why I'm really excited to talk to you today is because I know there are so many people who are so frustrated with this. And at the same time, it feels like this sort of, it's just this bitter pill you have to swallow, right? Like you, you got to do this. And that's sort of, that's where my rebellious spirit comes in. Just was like, why, you know, why, mm -hmm. why, why do we have to do this? This is obviously not working for a lot of people. And I'm just not, you know, I, I'm not that good at taking directions, to be honest. So this was, <laughs> this was never something that I really enjoyed. You know, the, the formulas also that people sort of, Voiced onto you or sort of pushed onto you is like, oh no, you gotta. This is my my kit. Just use this, buy this, plug it in, copy paste, just schedule it and be done. Because I've I found that I just don't have it in me to do something that I don't see the sense of it and that I don't enjoy, which in some ways can be pretty challenging. Because you know, I think my path might have been a little easier had I just been able to say like, okay, you now I'll be on socials and everything will be fine, you know, whatever, I'll just deal with it. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also a question of your values and who you are as a person and making sure that you're not stuffing yourself sort of forcefully into a box that someone else created, but that's never really been yours to fill to begin with. So I would say I've never been a person who fit into boxes with all the advantages and disadvantages, or let's say challenges and fun things that came with that. And it, it really is sort of the through line in my entrepreneurial and in general in my career. Yeah, I think a big shift happened. I mean, depending on what platform people have been on, but I mm -hmm. feel like a lot of people like go to Instagram right away. The big challenge was when Instagram came out with Reels. I think yeah. that is when the biggest shift happened with social media because you didn't have to be in front of the camera as much. Stories mm -hmm. were like the best way to kind of dip your toe in and show up. Then Reels and TikTok and everything else just became this video first. And everyone mm -hmm. was like, what? Like, sure, yeah. some people naturally just, you watch other people on there and they naturally just pick it up and do it mm -hmm. and they're rocking and it's, then it gives you this imposter syndrome and you're like, why can't I do that? And I feel mm -hmm. like it all kind of started at a height, like a higher height when yeah. Reels and TikTok and everything became bigger. Yeah, yeah, I 100% I agree with you. I see generally sort of when we look at the history of social media, we, and I'm just going to share a little bit of my research here because I feel like it helps people understand why things are the way they are and why maybe this shift to TikTok was hard and maybe they also noticed a shift a bit earlier sort of at the late 2010s. So um, when, I mean, social media has been around for 20 years, which I think is really interesting. When you look at Facebook, Facebook was founded in 2004, which is kind of crazy. Um, LinkedIn's been around since 2003. And even in the late 90s, there were these sort of arcane social networks of celebrities and whatever. MySpace. Sort of, yeah, and MySpace, <laughs> right? Um, as, as a millennial, that was like my first exposure to social media. I, Same. I, it, yeah. And it was so fun. You know, you could put music on there and it was it was very fun right and then the same happened with Facebook was fun for a while when you could just sort of connect with people all over the world or you could see what their lives were like same with Instagram when because at the time and you know 2010 when Instagram happened it was do you remember how crappy smartphone photos were like, mm -hmm. I mean they were not great and they had these awesome filters and you could just share your view of the world with everyone else on there. I feel, I mean, when you think about that, that's, that was revolutionary. We, we just weren't able to do that before. Um, and at a quality where, you know, you, you wouldn't feel super ashamed to, to post it and share. Mm -hmm. But then 
what happened with these networks is you know they're startup they're they're vc funded startups so there's there's um their venture capital funds they give money to these startups and at some point they want to see their money back and their expectation is that um and i, I don't want to bore everyone listening to this with finance talk but this is a really crucial piece so they give money and they expect to get not just two or three x but ideally like 10 or 100 times back what they invested in because that's sort of, it's a very small slice of the finance world. And that's sort of where you go and almost like play casino with your money. But it's it's a very, very teeny tiny slice of sort of what bigger funds and, and companies and, and even university funds and endowments do. So with the venture capital backing, these companies had pressure to make money, right? Because if there's an investor that says like, hey, look, I gave you 10 million. I want to have at least 100 million back in five years. What are you going to do? And this led to these companies introducing ads, you know, figuring out how they can make these products more addictive in terms of how they're set up, right? When you've, you know, maybe this feeling when you're scrolling through Instagram and you don't want to be there anymore because it feels like you're killing your brain cells minute by minute, but you can't leave. And that's because of the product design. That's sort of just hacking into feedback loops in our brains. And so that happened. And then... In the mid 2010s, they started introducing algorithmic feeds. So you had not anymore the way it was in the beginning where you could just see chronologically, whatever, you know, whoever you were following, if they posted on Monday morning, you would see sort of the order in which these posts had been made. Um, and from there on, it got, it also got a bit more tricky to be seen online, right? Cause you had the algorithms, you had to figure out what the algorithm likes and when you continue that through line thinking about reels, it was really the algorithm, the company wanted you to do reels or wanted us as users to do reels. And also the algorithm rewarded reels. So if you wanted to be seen moving in the sort of bigger picture of the social media world, you had to play to their rules. And with reels, especially I feel because as you were saying, Instagram, for example, was a really great tool for introverts and for people who were kind of not so sure about how to do business and how to build a business. It was a really cool, like lower threshold way to build a brand or to say like, look, I made, I don't know, I like to sew, I make blouses, here are five, you know, whoever wants them, DM me. It was a very sort of a very accessible way to, to put your, to dip your toe into what it would be like to have something, make something, sell something with this type of marketing. But as this whole thing got more complex, it wasn't just something you could do like, you know, every day for 10 minutes and you would just, you know, throw something up there that you liked. It really became a profession and as solo entrepreneurs, for example, even if it's, you know, you in court, if it's two people, it's still, it takes up so much time now because it's like, it's a proper thing and you need to do videos and you need to do this and you need to do that. And you need to figure out what the viral songs are. And in the beginning, it was the dances. And, and so it's not it's not as fun and easygoing anymore because you're really you're really moving within a highly sophisticated technological product. And I think my perception is that a lot of I mean, we have the documentary, The Social Dilemma. So we're, we're I mean, it was on Netflix. It was really successful. And I feel like that helped awareness a lot. But in our day to day, it's super easy to forget that, right? Because you, you're, if you're relying on social media to make money and for visibility, all you want is to be seen. And it's very easy to forget and maybe not be aware of sort of the, the bigger picture you're moving in and that you're always, in the end, you're going to have to dance to the algorithm to a certain extent. And I, I personally, observing that, I find that very frustrating because I feel it's, um, 
it takes away the joy of connection that we used to have with social media, right? When you when you saw something really cool or really funny person or just a good look, like a hot person, so you're like, who, who's, what are they doing, right? That type of thing or a cool place to travel to, it it's taken away that sense of serendipity and maybe also fun. And it's really, it feels very cold and harsh to me now. It's like a very hard environment we're dealing with. And it's just like you either do the way they want it they want you to do it or have fun, like, you know, not being seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I was just thinking the other day when I was just scrolling that I'm like this, mm-hmm. I used to have timers and I had to shut them off because if mm-hmm. I'm creating a reel and publishing it, <laughs> I would spend mm-hmm. half of my time, like the time allotted for the day creating that reel, but right. then you'd have to go on and answer DMS or answer things. Mm-hmm. And which I should like, I want to talk about this in a second, but, mm-hmm. um, like you should, it should just be like, there you go. That's it for the day. Like you can go tomorrow. <laughs> there is no reason why you need to extend the time like people can Mm -hmm. wait 24 hours to hear from you like things Mm -hmm. like that are okay um I'd love to know from your perspective like just understanding the science behind it like what's Mm -hmm. going on in the effects of social media that like whether it be like in our brain or like I've read Mm -hmm. different books before and I feel like I need to pick them back up and read them again because you like learn it and then you're like, wow, you make some changes and then you get sucked in again. Like, and you have to restart over Mm -hmm. (laughs) the boundaries. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really tough because it's, um, we often in these conversations, we, we, it's sort of, it's framed as a behavioral thing, right? Like just, just be more disciplined, right? It's not sort of, I think, or what I sense is when people talk about it and they mean well, they treat it almost a bit like a Game Boy, right? Just put your toy away, mm-hmm. um, which neglects that when your livelihood is tied to it, like you were saying, that's the first thing that makes it tricky because you know, as you were saying, you have to, make, let's just say you have, you feel like you have to make the real, you have, you have to put some form of content out there. And in order to signal to the algorithm on Instagram or LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you are, that you're active, you have to do that at a certain frequency at least i mean i i don't know because we we don't know about how these algorithms exactly work and we can only form hypotheses sort of i don't feel that you're punished immediately if you don't do something day after day i feel like there's some leeway but certainly they expect activity and they expect um a certain frequency in terms of the responses you know responsiveness to comments to dms it's just to show is this account active or, you know, are they, is there a chance? Because what happens is they want, I mean, they want you to put content on there um, because without content, these platforms are nothing basically. But then also they want people to engage with that content. And it's more likely that somebody engages with content when, for example, they comment on a post and the person who made the post writes back to them and says like, hey, yeah, cool, cool perspective or no, I actually see it differently. Um, or when you send someone a DM, it's it's rewarding, or it's, it's you know it's our human need to communicate and to connect. So you send someone a DM and they reply back, and it's sort of this need that we have inbuilt in all of us as humans that's captured by this platform, and the platform puts their rules onto how we interact as humans. So that's the first thing um, that I feel is very very tricky to navigate because you and I now having this conversation right now that's a moment of connection in some way, shape or form, right? We might part after this call and or, you know, even you listening to this, we might part and you might say, well, you know, whatever, this wasn't for me, but it was still 
a moment of interaction and connection and there's no outside rule to this right now there's not we're not necessarily we're on the clock because we agreed to a certain time frame for recording this but it's not like there's an expectation for me to drop a certain amount of uh, knowledge bombs, you know, every, every, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. five key insights every five minutes. And that's sort of what happens when you're on social media, the way we would naturally interact is, is put into this box of, of measuring, right? This many comments, this many likes, this many followers and this, you know, and, and this much activity per day. So it's, something that I feel is very unnatural for us people to do because our communication and our interactions, it always ebbs and flows a little bit. Even if you're close with someone, it's not the same every day. So that's the first thing that I find very tricky. And the second thing, just from when you look at the brain is, so there was in Stanford, there was um, a lab for behavioral sciences. And so incidentally, which was really interesting, some of the early tech founders, for example, like um, one of the co-founders of Instagram, were at this um, behavioral lab and they learned what you needed to do to change people's behavior from a cognitive and behavioral basis. And the person who founded this lab, it's um, a guy named BJ Fogg. He's, a, I think, a psychologist or behavioral psychologist. And he identified um, different paths that you can take. With So we're talking about um, behavioral cues, sort of how often you need to reinforce the behavior that you could take in order to create a certain behavior in people. And my perception is that this initially was intended to help people, for instance, with therapy, or if somebody wanted to change a behavior in a certain way to give them support through sort of reinforcing cues. But what happened is because these guys and startups also had this knowledge, it was very easy to make this transfer into um, how Instagram works, for example. And what you see now is for example, when you log on, you there's a certain cadence to the content that you see, right? Between what the algorithm thinks you like, what you, what it thinks you don't like, what it thinks you might, you know, want to see more of. I mean, it doesn't always work because it's not, it's sophisticated and at the same time not as sophisticated as as it wants us to believe. It is, but what happens is every time you see something you find rewarding, you get this little dopamine hit in your brain that signals and dopamine signals motivation and reward. So every time you get this hit from, you know, oh, let's say I saw a cool video, like a cute animal video, or cool, I learned something, or cool, someone liked what I said, or put a like on my photo, you get these little rewards. And what what's really interesting is, so if, for example, the feed were organized chronologically and you would you would just know like every time you open the app, you would get, you know, you see three posts and you get free dopamine hits. That gets boring after a while. But when you when you ver when you introduce some variation to that, so you see something you like, you see something that does nothing for you, nothing for you, nothing for you, and then out of the blue, you have something where you, you know, that triggers the reward again you become, you really get drawn in because it, it tends to be, that's like the same mechanism as slot machines have, for example, when you don't know when the reward will come, but you expect it and you know in some way, shape or form it's going to be there. Only that on you know, slot machines you have to put in money and here on Instagram it's time and your energy and, you know, your life and, and all these things, which for short periods of time might feel like not much, but considering that this has been going on for years now and decade, you know, more than a decade, basically, or almost a decade, that's a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of attention to be spending on there. Um, and at the same time, it also explains why it is so hard to just disengage because these same mechanisms of 
dopamine, you know, just relying and, and making the dopamine reward random have been used to, I think it was train pigs to vacuum or something. So they did, they did animal, they did experiments with animals on this in the 50s and 60s. And they really, they pushed quite far in terms of what they could get animals to do. I mean, it's not like the pig with its paws or, you know, its little hooves like pushing the vacuum, but moving it around in the sense where you could really direct it to do something that it would naturally definitely not do, because that's not a thing a pig would do. But because this um, reward schedule in terms of what was happening in the pig's brain was modified in the same way that we're being modified in a way on social media, and they just got the they just got the pig to do to do the really weird thing. And it's similar for us. We might not really want to do this, but because our brain likes dopamine so much, we we get sucked into a behavior that it's that's not in our best um, interests. And I find it cynical to then tell people to just log off and discipline be more disciplined because my perception is that the intention of wanting to log off is really important and of course to you know any type of behavior you want to change it takes some effort on your part but here you're really you're really up against bigger things and bigger forces where you will probably see more more of a positive effect when you use blocking tools, for example, that just block access to an app or so to a site at certain times of days and you really can't get around that because that's one of the shortest things, you know, that just prevents you to do the thing or prevents you from doing the thing you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's such a good distinction too because I think you can often feel bad about yourself. Like, why can't I stop? Why can't I limit my scrolling? Why can't I just not show up for a week? Um, and it really isn't, it's not as easy as just stopping mm -hmm. because our brain has been trained for so long to yeah. want that. It's in a way an addiction. And I think it is mm -hmm. so hard. It is really hard to stop. So I'd yeah. love to talk about, um, like most people listening, I think are probably resonating with it, also want to stop but also mm -hmm. don't know maybe other strategies in which they can right. like lean on to grow other than just depending on social media. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear from you what, what you kind of love to tell people like, Hey, mm -hmm. there's better options out there. This is yeah. the only thing. For sure. I, and this is, this is the part of the conversation that I really, really I mean, not just our conversation, but again, for the bigger picture of, how we can achieve this because when when i used to still be on social media i was in entrepreneur groups on facebook for example and i would see every three to six months you would have these insane intense discussion threads of like oh no you know oh crap the algorithm changed my business is screwed what am i going to do and then you would have like 250 comments on how to figure out well half of people just complaining and being absolutely devastated about this and then the other half peppering in sort of their cool new Instagram or social media strategies on how to fix this. So the first thing about this is I feel it's a good idea for us to just, not just us on this conversation and listening, but just really to step away from this for a second and look at the insanity of it, what it means to run a business that's tied to cycles like that. Because ultimately, whatever you do, you're always going to be running after the algorithm, but you can't really be proactive in a sense, right? It's not like you're saying you know like me for example coming onto this podcast and we're doing this interview people well mostly i do it to share the knowledge and the information and then if someone wants to work with me that's cool but you know there's this is something that we can do proactively or 
reaching out to someone in your network, for example, telling them like, hey, I do this new thing. Um, maybe you know someone who would appreciate this or um, doing paid ads, for example, right? Ads, I feel like ads got to be this four letter word because everyone thinks that um, just organic growth is where it's at. And yes, especially if your budget is small, then I understand that. But then also it, it sort of this obsession with social media really narrows our focus. It's like we have, we're like these horses, right? We have blinders on and we don't see anything else around us. And we're just so closed off to all the other options that there are. So generally speaking, I mean, you do SEO a lot, you do, you're an SEO consultant together mm-hmm. with court. So, um, there's a lot of merit in doing SEO. If you feel that you're the person who's got, I feel this combination of maybe an analytical brain who can then also execute the writing in a way that it's not boring. Um, that's always, that's great. You could use networking, just really, um, reaching out to everyone around you. That's sort of a no brainer, right? The whole idea of word of mouth growth, um, word of mouth marketing in general, which now these days you could do an affiliate program for your company. Um, you could, I mean, then there are tons of ways to be really creative with just like leaving QR codes everywhere and, and really working. For example, if you have a physical shop, you can get very creative with guerrilla marketing and just sort of working with the physical space space which is so fun um because you you sort of subvert um expectations with that quite a bit because people if they you know expect to see on social media which you might want to maintain but you do something that actually works with the physical environment and people live and work and, and do all these things that can be very fun too um, so there are a lot of different ways, a lot of different channels to choose outside of social media. Um, but before you do that, it comes with a big caveat. So I think the first thing that's really important is to figure out how much do you want to be on social media still? Do you want to leave altogether? Do you just want to scale down? And are you fine with maybe, you know, your incoming client base from social media is going to be reduced? And also, as a side note, do you even get clients from social media? Because that's also something I noticed that it was the case for me. Also, a lot of people I talked to when I asked them, uh, do you actually get anyone from social media? And it's sort of like crickets and they start reflecting. It's like, well, I had like, two people and then five came because my friend's friend recommended me and then two more because I did this and one more because I did that. So in, in any type of business, it might be a really good idea if you actually sit down before you decide any in all of this and see how much, how much of your business is actually coming through social media to also hopefully reduce the fear of making that change and stepping away in, in some shape or form. And then it's basically up to you to figure out how much you want to be on there. Um, so there are different ways to do this, um, different intensities in terms of stepping away from just cutting back a little bit to saying goodbye altogether. Um, but here it also really depends, I think, um, on just to make sure before you build an off social media strategy and before you look into all these channels and all these things you could be doing, that you set a timeline for yourself that's really realistic. So even before we go into strategy and how you could, you know, this channel and that channel and how you find what works for you, it's just really important to know or to be aware of the fact that it's probably not a good idea to burn everything down. I did that. I wouldn't recommend it. It was something I needed to do because I was so fed up and, you know, I had struggled on social media for so long and I'd really 
forced myself to do it for so long and I resented it so much and I hadn't gotten any traction. I need to say that too. I mean, I didn't get any clients for social media. So I, the loss for me was not that big. I was just like, okay, screw this. I'm going to start from scratch. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend a step this radical to other people, especially if you have, if you've spent a lot of time building a following on there, or if there are people who expect to hear from you, it would be a bit tough, I think, to just say like, you know, peace, just peace out and, and never talk to them on socials again. So you want to, you want to make sure that whatever you end up doing, you actually let the people know the people around you and you just guide them maybe on this journey of following you to wherever else you want to take them in terms of connecting with them on a more personal level. Yeah. I love this, like avoiding this all or nothing strategy, because I feel mm -hmm. like that's the approach people take a lot of times. It's like, yeah. you need to be all in and you need to post all the time and you need to engage mm -hmm. all the time or just don't be there. But that's yeah. not, that's not true. Like, I think there is a healthy balance. And for some people, they might like to be there. Like I know for us, we disappear on the platform frequently, like mm -hmm. because we're busy. And so we just disappear and then we come back and then we're there for a little bit and then we disappear again. But yeah. it would be so much better if we just, because a lot of times when you disappear, you then have the guilt mm -hmm. of, for oh, sure. I feel so bad at the end of the week because I haven't showed up. And then you do mm -hmm. that again next week and then next week. And I think the guilt is the worst part where we just need mm -hmm. to like we don't need it's their rules, right? But we can make yeah. our own rules and use the platform yeah. how we want. And it's kind of flipping that script to mm -hmm. make your own rules and give yourself permission to be like, no, this is actually okay because this is yeah. how I want to show up on the platform. And I have other avenues that I can bring people in. I'm not just reliant on Instagram or TikTok mm -hmm. or LinkedIn or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And what what you just said is to me the key thing. So to have that flexibility around how you want to show up on social media. Um, again, this is also something you can let people know, like, hey, you know, it's cool that you're following me and I'm here very infrequently because mental health and other things, right? Um, from a strategic point of view, the most important thing, and even if you love social media and want to be on it all day, every day, I, I mean, I don't know people like that, but I'm sure they exist. Um, even if you have that, if you love it and enjoy it, and it's like the coolest thing ever for you, from my point of view, just strategically, make sure that you have one marketing channel that you can actually own. So because you never, 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 never want to depend on this ever, because you never know. So firstly, this whole thing about the algorithm changing, every time the algorithm sneezes, you know, a small business or a solo business, they, they go for an earthquake because they really need the steady inflow of people and the communication and all these things. And there's just not that much space to afford riding out a big change like that. It's, it's really stressful. And I don't think, or I know nobody needs to force themselves to go through this. Right? This is really silly. It's like artificially, it's like self homegrown, homemade stress that you really don't need to go through. Um, and in terms of that, alternative marketing channels like SEO or my favorite is a newsletter or email marketing because right now that's the only one you can truly own in the sense that people opt into receiving communication from you you send them emails and it's just you and them in the inbox there's nobody else regulating this there's nobody else up or down shifting this in terms of what the algorithm wants you to do it's just you and them and that's that and 
the cool thing is also you can, you know, if you stop liking a certain email service provider, you can take your mailing list and you can move it somewhere else, which we don't have on social media. If you build your audience on LinkedIn, you're locked into LinkedIn. If you build it on Instagram, you're locked into Instagram. And that also is just from a strategic point of view and also emotionally, I don't like this. Imagine that you're building I've once heard say, I had someone say that with the social media platforms, you're building your house on somebody else's land. And I found that's a very, it's a very good way of putting it. You invest all this time and energy, but it's not guaranteed that it will stay. And it's also not guaranteed that you will continue to have access to it. And I remember two summers ago, I talked to someone and she had, she had a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And something, I don't know what exactly happened, but something happened with the VA and then it seemed to Facebook like fraud was going on or somebody hacked her account and she lost access to her account and she had only built the business on social media and on Facebook specifically and there was nothing. She couldn't get it back. You know, there's not, Facebook has 2 billion users more than that. So it's not like there's a complaint hotline where you can call and they're going to be dedicated to help you figuring out, you know, how you can get that back. And you never, you never want to expose yourself to that type of risk because that's a level of stress that, I mean, a big corporation can handle that, right? For example, if Nike doesn't have their social media overnight, well, first, it's not going to happen to them because they're approaching these companies at a totally different level, but it's not going to hurt them that much. For a small and solo business, if you build it only on there and then to lose access to that, that's like, I don't know, it's almost like a death sentence. And that's a level of stress that I don't think anyone needs to go through because it's just, it's unnecessary. So even if you like social media or, you know, if you're sort of in the same camp as you, saying like, yeah, we like to be on there occasionally, but it's nice to not have the pressure of having to be on there, then it's really important to make sure that you build out, I don't know, one, you know, again, also being really cognizant of time and energy, to build out one marketing channel or maybe two or something where you really, where it's you and you're in control more similar to SEO is sort of, I feel like in the middle because you're still playing to the algorithm. You have to do what Google wants, but at least it's something that has more longevity as social as, you know, in comparison to social media. Um, and then again, my personal favorite is a newsletter sort of for all the reasons that I already said, but you could also have a podcast. Um, and get really good with that, do podcast SEO, things like that. You can set up an affiliate program, a referral program for a newsletter, things like that. So there's really, there's really a lot you can do where you still have a little bit of that also leveraged or automatic growth that social media can give you, but you don't have to do it on their terms, Yeah, which I think is, I, is really important. Yeah. When you were chatting about guerrilla marketing too, it made me think of, um, get different by the same guy that wrote profit first. He wrote a book called get different. Um, very, very good book and talks all about how to be different with your marketing and all mm -hmm. of these different things you can do that aren't dependent on these platforms. And I think that's so, I think it's such a unique approach and something like, you know, as business owners, we have to continue mm -hmm. to learn about other things in other ways. And thankfully now, with Instagram too, there's so many ways to get our people off of Instagram and into mm -hmm. like 
a newsletter with chatbots and like ha actually just telling people like, hey, I have a free resource for you. Sign up here. Like those kind of things we forget to do. And I think if you want to start making the shift from social media to your email, for example, we need to start talking about it. We need to start mm -hmm. telling people because if 10% of your audience is seeing your post, you need to talk about it a lot, a lot, a lot to get mm -hmm. them to convert off your platform into your email and then start building your audience there, which is like you said, like, don't burn it down. It's going to take time. Start to mm -hmm. start to make those conscious decisions to move off platform for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, because you mentioned, um, and I, after this, I want to spend a moment on also how to find good marketing channels as a solopreneur, because that's also something that's not talked about a lot. And I have a couple of ideas and experiences I can share on that. But just what you said also in terms of visibility. So on social media, if you get 10% visibility, that's, you know, people, 10% of your followers see what you posted. That's insane, right? That's such, you know, you're doing so well if that happens. And when you look to a newsletter, if you imagine that you have, I don't know, a thousand subscribers and 10% open your newsletter, that's super low, right? Most, most solo and small business, especially niche newsletters or when it comes to, you know, you being the personal brand and people connecting, wanting to connect to what you do. It's usually more in the 40, I've seen 40 to 50 quite a lot with the other newsletter. I mean, in my own newsletter and also with other people I talk to, 23% I think is the industry benchmark for open rates, but that includes big companies and e-commerce and re real estate and lots and lots of different industries. So if you think about just in terms of the visibility of what you can get out of other marketing channels, that's also something to keep in mind because I mean, we can't really compare it one to one because social media is a different beast than newsletters are, for example, or email marketing is, but still, if you have a thousand followers and only 5% see what you're posting, and that's still really high, I've seen numbers such as like 1% or something for, for Instagram in terms of visibility and how many people see what you're posting of your followers so you would have out of a thousand you would have 10 on instagram if things go really badly and you only have one percent but out of email when you go with just the low industry benchmark you at least still have 230 people who who get an eye who get their eyeballs on what you're doing so i also just want to put this out there and you know same with seo you create a piece of content according to what you know the search engine wants or what's you know where you find search um volume and sure you I mean you're you're better at this than i am so if i say something that's not correct <laughs> then stop me and or do correct me please but there's you still you have to tweak this and it's not none of these marketing channels is like you do it once and you never do it again it's always a little bit like a tree or a garden that you prune and you have to water but the with seo as well you you can move, you can see what people are looking for, you have to optimize your page, do things like that. But it still gives value because once you're ranking, then people come to your site and you just have to just quote unquote to make sure that you keep ranking. But it's not this like every day or every time you log onto the app, it's like this struggle from the beginning. So I have to create content, I have to do something. What, what can I do so people come to me? What can I do so people stay engaged? It's a little, it's just a little more calm. And that's what I like a lot about being I mean, I'm off social media entirely just also because of 
where my values are and because I wrote this PhD and I felt it would be quite rich of me to write it as this like big tome of like why social media sucks and which colors and flavors it sucks in and then be all over social media promoting myself. I felt like there's a big, that would not work. Um, but irrespective again of where you fall on that journey, it's just so nice to step back and just build marketing that's a little more calm and mm -hmm. where you have options and where you feel not beholden to this thing. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just something I, I truly do. And we say this to people all the time, because when you first start your business, you feel like you need to be everywhere and that's not realistic. I think you need to pick one place you want to show up and you need to feel good about it because when you actually feel good about that platform that you are building, you want to show up. It doesn't feel like a task. Mm -hmm. It feels like something that you want to be there because you love it so much. And I think that's, that's important. Like you have to have that or else that platform is going to feel really hard and marketing is going to feel hard and it doesn't have to feel hard. It should be something that you genuinely like to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up. I mean, people don't see this in the video, but I was nodding emphatically because the, the thing with social media also that I've noticed is, is basically it's like, do this, figure out how to do it. Cause this is the way, right? This, the, and especially when you get into business and you don't know how to do it, there's, you can find a lot of advice and a lot of resources online. And on the one hand, that's good because a lot of that stuff wasn't available even 10 years ago. Um, so there's a plethora of resources out there, but they tend to work in very formulaic ways. They tell you do this, this is how you set up your store. This is how you market it. Go figure it out now. And if it doesn't work, then it's kind of your fault because you didn't dedicate yourself enough to it. You didn't hustle enough. You didn't want it enough, right? Which the reality often is, I mean, it's usually never like that because if you go into business, you want to make it. Obviously, you're not starting out to fail. Nobody wants to fail when they do their own thing. And what you said and what you spoke to this really making sure that you like what you're doing and you like the channel is so important. And also figuring out where your strengths are, right? Because if you don't like writing, then it probably makes very little sense to go hard on SEO because you're going to need to be writing a lot. And even if you use AI or whatever you do, you're still going to be sat in front of the computer and you're going to write. So maybe SEO then it's just an example, but maybe that's a good step for when you can actually afford to hire someone to help you with that. Right. Um, and also, same with newsletters, but I feel with newsletters, it's kind of cool because you can get creative with them in terms of what's possible on the technological platforms. You could send a video newsletter, you could send an audio newsletter, you could just, I recently did this for a newsletter I write, I just wrote something by hand and I took a picture of it because I felt like not sitting in front of a computer. I was like, why not? You know, why not try that and see how people react? So there's also, there's also a lot of leeway in terms of how you make these marketing channels your own. So you, you don't have to, just because everyone is writing their newsletter, it doesn't mean that you have to write it. I think you just have to manage people's expectations because if they expect you to write 2000 words every week or you, you know, for them, for you to send them these long explanations about what you do and everything and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you hit them like with a handwritten wrote like, hey, you know, this is what I realized this week. Maybe that's not so good in terms of you know, where you are in your relationship. But generally speaking, nobody, nobody says that you can only write a newsletter, for example. Um, with SEO, I, I just mentioned that because I feel SEO is a bit more technical and you don't have as much creative leeway because you still need to do what Google wants you to do. 
Um, and really, but just really, I want to drive this point home of marketing to your strengths and really figuring out what you like and then building your marketing plan and strategy around that. Because otherwise, you're just going to work against yourself all the time, all day, every day, and you're going to force yourself to do something you don't want to do. And that's especially when you do this by yourself, you're going to burn out because that's a really stupid use of your time and energy. And when you do things in a way where there's flow or like you're saying, you enjoy it, you like sending a newsletter, you like writing an SEO article, you like doing the podcast, it's still, it's maybe not going to be like you're chilling, but it's, it's enjoyable. It's something that you actually look forward to. I looked forward to this podcast. I was giddy yesterday. I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk. We're going to do cool stuff. And that's part of my marketing, so to speak. And it's also part of your marketing, but it's not, you know, it's not like I woke up this morning and said like, oh, shoot, like 4 p.m. I have, I have to do this now. I was like, oh, no. Which is how I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Which is how I used to feel about Instagram where I would wake up and be like, oh, no, it's like, it's Monday. I have to make a post. What am I going to say? I hate this so much. Right. It it transmits to people. So because you're, you're. How are you going to, I feel also the expectation for people to then spend a lot of money on the service that you provide when you come at it from a place of like, oh my God, this is terrible. That doesn't match up. So Mm -hmm. yes, yes, I agree. Okay. So as we kind of wrap this conversation Mm -hmm. up, I feel like there's so many good things in here. Do you have any kind of actionable, if someone's listening to this and they're Mm -hmm. like, yep, I need to start stepping away from social media. What is maybe the first thing they can do uh, as they start that journey, even if it's just today? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the first thing I've noticed that leaving social media brings up a lot of a lot of fear in people. Just this idea of, well, will I screw everything up if I don't do this anymore? So the first thing I would recommend is to really sit down and see where your clients are coming from. Because once you have the numbers and it's not just a hunch, you can really tell first how important social media really is in your business. And if you maybe have over just given it a little bit too more too much value, right? In terms of just what's driving revenue. Because at the end of the day, even though a lot of this is a creative endeavor and marketing can be very creative, it's still a business. So where's the money coming from? That's really important to just look at where's the money coming from, what channels have I been using? How have clients been finding me? Or have I been reaching out to clients and has that been working well, right? It doesn't all just need to be inbound. You can also be proactive and reach out to people. So I would say that in terms of just business strategy, but also in terms of managing your fears and and really encountering whether your fears and to what extent they're valid about leaving social media. And then the second thing you can do is, I mean, yes, you need to make a marketing plan and a marketing strategy, and you can do that on one page. It's still the very, very basic things of like, who are you serving? Where do they hang out? Are they really all on social media? Or are there other ways you can encounter them? And, you know, what do you do to get them into your world? Like with a freebie or something, and then how do you pitch them? And when do you sell? And then what do you do afterwards for retention? That's still that basic marketing flow is still the same, whether you do it on or off social media. So it, it would also be a good idea to write this down, how you've been doing it, and then compare that to how you've actually been getting clients. That can be extremely enlightening. And then, unfortunately, we didn't have that much time to talk about it. But 
What I've also really liked and what I like to use with my clients in terms of working together is human design, which is this, it's a holistic tool that helps you really drill into or understand your strengths, your weaknesses, also how to use your energy well in a way. And it's a bit like, so things like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, they tell you sort of like who you are, but sometimes I feel they fall a little short because they don't really explain to you how do you live your life as an Enneagram 8, for example, or what do you do as an ENFP, right? How do you manage your life in a way that you bring out your ENFP-ness in Myers-Briggs the most? Um, and human design is cool because it gives you a roadmap for that also, and it sort of helps you understand how you make decisions, um, the type you are, because not everyone's made to do cold outreach. That's That tends to work well for like 8% of people. Most people, I would say 92, the rest, 90 to 92, really thrive when things come to them in life. Um, so, for example, if you feel like cold outreach is not for you, that's probably something to trust. But then human design can help you maybe dissect a little bit if it's maybe a belief that you have that it really sucks. Um, but you might actually thrive or do well using that or if it's really not for you. So. I like that as well, and especially when it comes to this whole conversation about finding marketing channels and marketing mechanisms that work for you, that can be a really cool thing to look at as well. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I think those are perfect places to start. Okay, so where can everyone go to hear more about you or work with you? Mm -hmm. Where can everyone find you? Yeah. Since it's not so, going to be on Instagram. <laughs> it's not? No, it's not. It's so funny. I had I was on a podcast a while ago, and <laughs> I loved it pre-recording. Um, you know, I sent the pitch because I'm part of, you know, outreach is fine for me. I like doing it. Um, and then the person replied, and she said, well, what you do sounds really interesting. But when I looked you up on social media, I couldn't find you. Like, what's up with that? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the point. Um which is also interesting because we're, we're used to seeing people on social media, right? But I'm not on social media. You can find me at buysocialmedia.com, buy like goodbye. And the first thing I always love for people to do is sign up for my newsletter because I send out weekly-ish musings on how to market without social media, sort of how to look at marketing from the bigger picture of it and find your place in it. Sometimes I do guest interviews, especially when it's something that I don't have expertise on. Um, so you really get knowledge from people who actually know what they're talking about and that's free. And then also there's, you know, options for working with me one-on-one -on -one that you can look into if it sounds right. Yes. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. <laughs> if you like this episode, please be sure to share it with a friend and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes dropping every Monday. Plus, if you haven't already, please go ahead and leave us a review and don't hesitate to share any new episode ideas. We absolutely love hearing from you and creating this content for you. See you next week.